You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, everybody. This is the special Tout Wars edition. We are broadcasting live from Fantasy Sports Radio uh, Studios here in Manhattan. And uh, we've got with us an esteemed panel today. Now, it's also it's Tout Wars Sunday, but it's also Greg Jewett Sunday. So uh, Greg Jewett is here live with us. Uh, he's our normal uh, Sunday guest. And uh, Greg's been taking in uh, all the, the Tout Wars action here. Uh, we have Paul Sporer from Fangraphs. Morning. Morning, Paul. And uh, Paul uh, took part in the head-to-head draft, which was Friday night, correct? Yes. Okay. Trying to keep uh, all the all the madness straight here, <laughs> and then we've got Brent uh, Hershey from Baseball HQ, and Brent uh, also took part in the uh, mixed auction that I took part in yesterday afternoon. So we're going to try to cover all the bases uh, a little bit later on. We'll have Mike Podhorzer from Fangraphs uh, who did the AL auction, and then right now we got the NL auction. So we will do our best in the next two hours to uh, cover all of it and. Uh, you know, get you ready for opening day just one week away. Very exciting. So, oh, Paul, let's uh, let's start with you since okay. you were the first one chronologically to uh, take part in the uh, the top festivity. So, first of all, how you how you feel about the team? I'm really excited about the team. It was a situation where <clears throat> to call it a plan would be incorrect. I did not uh, necessarily go in with any sort of plan. Um, you know, you got clowns like Jake Seeley in there. I know I can roll that fool. So uh, I'm basically only competing with with eleven or ten others uh, once Jake's put put out of the way. And so uh, I bought Trout I think first at fifty, and then Harper at forty four, and I just decided why don't I just buy a ton of offense and see where it takes me. It's a twelve team mixed league. The pool is deep. We we have K nine. So the need for starters is definitely not as rich. I mean, we have to meet we have to meet an innings minimum uh, of 950. But I just wasn't too worried about uh, about pitching, and so I ended up splurging. I ended up getting Votto and Arenado at 41 apiece, Trevor Story at 25, and so I had this core of of five offensive players on which I spent quite a bit of money. I still got Archer at 23, but then kind of filled out with single digit players from there. And I'm interested to see how it works. You know, no saves, kind of punted saves, not really too worried about it. But I think the K-9 will be there. Um, I have to obviously dominate on offense, but I think I'm going to. Well, and you have Madsen, so, I mean, he's one of the, you know, sketchier. I'm actually going to cut him, though, because the plan was Madsen and Jim Johnson. And uh, before my next round, Jim Johnson got taken. So I was like, if I got two, I can compete some weeks. But there's no reason to get, like, Madsen's two saves with a 8.0 KB9, so I'm going to probably uh, put in Joe Kelly, cut him, and pick up somebody else. Okay. So, I mean, there's a lot of turnover. And, Greg, you and I were just talking about this, like, right before we came online here. You know, there's year after year tons of turnover at the closer position. This is this Your team, in terms of the, the pitching balance, reminds me a lot of my mixed auction team last year. And so I was just continuously playing catch-up with saves. Never really did catch up. Uh, but the opportunities are there because of all the turnover. So, I mean, did you give some thought to keeping Madsen and just seeing if he, you can sort of build around him or just I mean, not if, worth it? If there's nobody that I'm terribly interested in, I can just put him on the bench 
yeah. and, and see how it goes, right? See if, uh, well, the thing of it is because it's K-9, all the next guys are already taken. Like if I don't have any confidence in Jamar Gomez, Hector Neris is already gone. Heck, I think, I'm not even sure Benoit might have gotten taken, but um, the problem with, with it being K-9 is it's a lot tougher to speculate for saves because even the next in lines and the next next in lines are taken. You know, Kyle Bearclaw is probably third in line there, but he's got a 15 K-9, so of course he goes in this league. So honestly, I might just punt it all together. Being head-to-head, -head, I don't think I necessarily need saves, and I think I can survive without it. So currently the plan is to completely ignore it, not even waste in-season in resources on it, but uh, we'll see We'll see if things change. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, and This is Brent Hershey. Can't, can't you, you can get away with that in a head-to-head -head league much easier than you can, of course, in a season-long league. Absolutely. This, this league was set up, you know, um, for something like this, where mm -hmm. I think this can work, punting saves completely, um, and almost punting starters too, because my guys, you know, Michael Pineda, Francisco Liriano, Ian Kennedy, Dylan Bundy, Mike Fultonevich. Like, I went for some upside strikeout guys, you know, that I think can have some good seasons. If they're not doing well, they're gone. You know, I'm not going to let them brutalize my ERA and whip. Um, it, it, this was honestly based on the league format. I don't think this is something that's translatable to a lot of other leagues. Uh, even just using K's versus K, K, we use K9 versus K's right. allows for a different strategy. Yeah. No, I mean, I was in the head to head light, uh, Head to league last year. You finished um, second. I finished second. Yeah, I mean, I didn't do, uh, but I was just really. I thought your approach. I mean, even even though you said it wasn't a uh, plan or a strategy, was really interesting because the high guys you got are high on base guys, which is the uh, you know, which is one of the categories in Vado and uh, Arenado and Trent Harper. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm really interested to see that whole scar stars and scrubs thing in a head-to-head -head where you're just doing week to week i mean you're just winning as many categories as you can and uh, you can get away with punt and saves or or uh you know going a little going a little less on some of the starting pitching well, and then stuff. you know i got i'm not gonna lie i got lucky too with some of my one dollar guys i threw out eric thames at five and i thought that was kind of the end of me because i got crickets and i needed that flexibility because I, I really wanted like liriano kennedy Bundy and Fulton Everett, those are like legitimate targets that I really wanted, mm -hmm. and I wanted to have sure. the flexibility to go two or three on a couple of them. And when they cricketed me on on, on Thames, I was like, oh, I'm done for, because now I'm dollar days. I ended up getting all four of the guys I wanted. Maybe maybe yeah. that's a bad sign. Nobody <laughs> else wanted those guys at all, so I got them. But um, I, I did get lucky. You know, Marcelo Zuna at a buck. There were yeah. other guys out there that I'd been happy with, but I'm super high on Marcelo Zuna, so yeah. I feel like I absolutely stole him. So, you know, you get a little <laughs> luck sprinkled in with a plan like yeah. this, it can certainly help, too. Well, in a 12-team mixed, I mean, the, the $1 guys uh, that you got, I mean, are are fine. They're all starters, and some of them have more upside than what you would uh, what you would uh, anticipate with that. And then guys like you know older guys like even Beltran and Holiday, they're gonna they're gonna help you. In Figure with the LBP, you yeah. know, and and, and power. Uh, this is Greg Paul. With your strong backgrounds from pitching, did that help? So uh, yeah, well, like Greg's <laughs> got a mic issue, um, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought oh, about that too. Go. I was going to say. I think just picking okay. up. Go ahead. Yeah, sorry, Mike. Issue. My bad, folks. Um, I was going to ask Paul with his strong background in pitching, going heavy on the offense. Did you kind of have that? Even though it wasn't a plan, was that kind of in your back pocket, knowing that in the end game that you could get 
yeah, eight, it, nine guys, and you had people kind of probably pre-targeted saying, in this format, they're good anyway, so if I can get value, let's go for it. Absolutely. I had, I had tons of guys I could have gone to, even if I didn't get those targets that I had. I feel like I know the pitcher pool as well as anybody that was going to be in that league in 12-team mixed. I feel confident finding the $1 and $2 guys that I like that I think can deliver, you know, even double-digit value potentially. So, so, you know, it did become the plan pretty quickly but i didn't go in saying well i'm just going to kind of punt pitching and, and and stack up on hitting you know i still got archer like i said i wanted to kind of have one solid guy i can rely on plus you know do need to get the innings so i want somebody i feel is going to give me those 200 but yeah in a 12 team mixed um you're going to get so many guys in that one to two dollar range i feel like i can pluck out the guys you know not a hundred percent success rate but i feel like this first crew i'm gonna end up keeping a couple of them and then playing the wire the rest of the season pitching is something that i'm always studying uh much deeper than the hitting pool so i, I definitely felt confident there uh what uh, drafts do you have left uh, after this weekend are you done this wednesday i'm in the nfbc main event online picking from the two hole i'm very excited about that my first time in nfbc main event uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I have an NL auction local in Houston. Uh, I live in Austin, but I'll drive out to Houston. And then um, uh, AL only straight draft, 10-team, 4x4, four four, old school league, been around since 1989. <laughs> nice. So you got, got quite a bit left. And where I was going with that is um, you were saying that the, you know, the lessons from this uh, draft or, yeah, this draft were not really, or I'm sorry, this auction were not really transferable. But, uh, you know, given that you, you sort of surprised yourself with how it unfolded, I mean, is there anything that you think you'll carry over to I, those? I think it, so in the NL auction, it's, I've been in this league now for a while, um, and it's been a while since I've had some success. I, I got to mix it up. So I don't know if I would do something exactly like this, but I think I could do something, again, where I can test myself on the pitcher pool and just load up on offense. It's also OBP. Um, I'm gonna, I might even keep Votto already. I already have him, so I might start with him and then kind of stack around him with some with some stud bats. We have a big, uh, big free agent market this year. A lot of guys coming off of contracts and stuff. Strasburg, Harper, and so I might do something similar to this. Obviously, it'll have to be a little bit different, tailored to a, a standard five by five with OBP. Uh, minus average, you know, take out average, put an OBP, but uh, I can't go full on with it. But I think I will. I think I will be stacking a lot of offense, even in the NFBC main. You know, Kershaw I think is perfectly viable at number two, but I think I'm more inclined to maybe take Goldie. Um, not not worry about pitching for the first few rounds and see if I can win in the middle rounds of pitching. So maybe it will be a kind of a general theme where I'm just not taking the pitching early. Last year we all took the, you know, we all kind of got in on those 20 aces or whatever. And, you know, I was right there thinking, well, you got to get at least one of those, maybe two. This year there's like, I think, seven bona fide aces and then another group of like fantasy aces. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like I need to be in there. I, 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 if I'm not, I'm not worried about it. If I can, that's great. If I can get somebody at what I think is a good price, but I'm not going to reach. I'm not going to just reach for Chris Sale or something like that. I'm okay kind of starting a rotation with like um, with Archer, for example. You know, I, I got sure. no problem starting starting rotations with him. So I, I will probably play more in the middle pool of pitching. Uh, so maybe that will be the kind of unifying theme of the rest of my drafts. Is, is that a 12 or a 15? That one, um, the main event's 15-team mixed. The NL only is 11 teams, NL only. And then the AL's a straight draft. That's that's completely different. That's 4 by 4 um, that's elite. I mean, my two keepers are Trout and Betts, so well, it, I'm just going to win that league. I'm about to wrap up a draft of champions for, for uh, Tal, and I kind of followed what you were saying. I got some bats early, and I was lucky enough. Uh, Archer fell to the fourth, and this draft started 
last week, and DeGrom fell to the six. So oh, those that, are my two. That I got great awesome. value on DeGrom, so I was ecstatic when he fell back to me, um, picking from the eight spot. So I, I kind of am in line with you on that. Just, I don't want to get a – Necessarily box myself into and say, hey, I got to have a pitcher in the second round. You know, I, you let I, value fall. I'd love to get a Thor. You know, Bumgarner is as reliable as they come, um, but I like a lot of those second round bats too. That's the mm-hmm. thing is that it's not that I'm really against those pitchers. I don't necessarily, you know, Thor is always worrisome when somebody throws 97 a hundred times a game uh, with their elbow. But um, I'm not, I'm not a, down on the guys. I'm just much higher on those bats in the in the mm-hmm. second and third round. So, do you feel like you you need to? I mean, in a way, you're sort of already answered the question, but, you know, compensate. Or do you feel like the, it does put you at a, comp, at a disadvantage that you have to work against by going with one out of those, you know, 20 or so starters that you view as fantasy aces? Because I, I, I really try to get two. I feel like. Yeah, and I think know. I think either strategy is perfectly viable. It's just a situation where if I, I, I have done drafts, mock and, and one real one, where I did dip into the pitching pool early. I started with Kershaw and then I ended up backing him up with Kluber. And that's great. But then I wasn't able to take a lot of my favorite mid-round guys, you know, Paxton, Gaussman, Jameson Tyon, Aaron Sanchez. I just didn't – I had to get the hitting. Mm-hmm. And so I want to take those – I want to take those mid-round pitchers. So maybe it's just a preference thing. It's not even necessarily something that I think is automatically better because I think that team's going to be pretty good with, with those two starting it off uh, at the rotation. So, again, it's, it's not – any sort of negativity about the top tiers it's just that i love the middle tiers i think they're i think they're deep like you you take like somebody pitcher 35 and you look at somebody who's pitcher 55 i don't think there's much difference and it seems you think 20 ranks that's so different and then you really look at it and you're like is it really that different you know would it be crazy if ivan nova um matched or outperformed Kevin Gossman I don't think so everyone's super high on Gossman I'm I'm with them but I'm pretty high on Nova too going into Pittsburgh you know you look at that walk rate he put up last year I think a lot of that was confidence where he just felt he could pound the zone because he wasn't going to get beat up by homers now he's not going to have a two percent walk rate the entire year (laughs) but I think he's going to be a heck of a lot better and so I just think these pitcher tiers run so deep once you get to about pitcher 30 that I just I would rather get those more reliable bats yeah, no, and I, I hear that. Like I say, I, I would like to secure two of, I say top 16 or 17 rather than 20. Um, but once it's beyond that, then, yeah, I feel like you can wait, you know, or like you did in this auction and you can go cheap. I mean, you have two pitchers that were more than $1. And, uh, I mean, would you consider these guys like Kennedy, Liriano, Bundy, Fulte, uh part of that that middle tier yeah even though they're one dollar that's the thing like Liriano people are sleeping on him I think getting back with Russell Martin is really big I know going Mm -hmm. to Toronto you know we just I just talked about how great Pittsburgh is going to be for someone like Nova so leaving Pittsburgh is never awesome but I think getting back with Russell Martin you look at what he did at the end of last year I think Liriano is going to be pretty solid Ian Kennedy they're boring though too Kennedy and Liriano specifically Bundy and Fulte are a little bit more uh, of the flash and, and they've got something to prove but I think the guys like Kennedy they just get so underrated. People don't want it, you know, because no one's going to go ooh and ah when you take that pick. But it's like 180 guaranteed innings with like 180 strikeouts. ERA, we'll see where it is. It could be in the upper threes, low fours. Maybe if it, if it starts going awry and gives up too many homers, you can move on, though, too. Yeah. That's the beauty of those guys. Whereas if you take somebody who might do something similar, again, like Gaussman, who has home run issues, mm-hmm. you don't want to cut him. Yeah. You, you're like, I can't cut him because I drafted him as the 30th, 35th pitcher off the board take Kennedy as the 80th pitcher off the board I don't know that there's a ton of difference between those two maybe in the overall upside but upside's just 
a fake ideal, right? I, I mean, they have to come through on the upside for yeah. it to matter. So, yeah, I just, like I said, these tiers get huge once you get to about pitcher 35. Yeah. That's why I got no problem playing in that pool. Absolutely agree with that. Well, we got to go to break, uh, but we'll come back. Uh, we'll take a, a look at yesterday's mixed league auction and uh, a whole lot more. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball, Tout Wars Edition. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I'm joined today by fellow FanRag author. That sounds weird. Yeah, that's right, right? Greg Jewett. Greg Jewett's here. Uh, and we've got Paul Spore from FanGraphs. Uh, last segment, Paul talked to us about his uh, head-to-head team that he uh, put together on Friday night. And we've also got Brent Hershey, who was uh, involved in the mixed auction yesterday, as was I. Um just a, a quick programming note. So we are on longer today than usual. We're on, normally this is uh, 12 to 1 Eastern. We're on two whole hours till 2 o'clock, and then we'll be back on the regular schedule Monday. Uh, but we'll have a guest host, Nando DeFino, with uh, Jim uh, Jim, Rinch, Jim Finch from FanRag. Easy for me to say. Uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll be on the regular schedule from uh, that point going forward. So, uh, you know, Paul, you made some waves definitely in that uh, head-to-head draft. That's what everybody was talking about. I'm not sure there's a a consensus, uh, you know, splash that was made yesterday. But for me, I think Fred Zicke's got the team to beat here uh, in the the mixed auction. I agree. Uh, Josh Donaldson at 42, Nolan Arenado at 40. Chris Bryant at 45, and he even drafted some people who weren't third basemen. Um, <laughs> we had Bryce Harper, uh, Matt Bum, Darvish, so uh, sort of like Paul. Uh, I was going to say, it's kind, top, kind top of a team. Paul Spore plan, I guess. I, <laughs> yeah, I was just thinking that. that. I'm like, wait a minute. Jeez, Zinke, come up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look at that. Four guys, $40 plus. Um, two, two stud pitchers, again, because it's different, where Ks are going to matter uh, in the aggregate as opposed to K9. He did still have to get starters. He punted saves. Uh, here's the here's the thing though too, if you like Zinke's team coming out of a draft, that league is in trouble because he's also the greatest trader in the world. Yeah. So any issues that the, the, the team runs into, he's going to be able to fix them. This guy's a, a, just a brilliant trader. He's always you know he's that guy who knows how to help you, and you know he doesn't rip people off. And when I say brilliant trader, I don't mean he goes and just smokes people, but yeah. he knows how to say, hey, you could use this. I got something for you. Give me, give me something back, and he just yeah, turns. Always, so I think he'll trade. he'll figure it out. Yeah, um, yeah. So Greg, I mean, I know you you watched this closely yesterday. You, you uh, concur, or you think there's uh, multiple contenders here? What, what struck you? Um, no, I, I like the way he he started aggressive and and almost kind of made uh, people really pay attention to third base. You know, he was closing that market fast. <laughs> Um, I mean, third base is a little deeper this year. Um, one of my guys, I love Justin Turner. He went for a pretty good price, I thought, in that auction. Um, but it was re- interesting to watch and just to see how the how everyone in the room was reacting. And then, you know, I, I, during one of the breaks, I was uh, lucky enough to talk to Derek Van Riper, and he was telling me I need to go get some steals. And then he came right back and got Keon Broxton. So it's not just that you were watching it in person. You were also seeing how people were going to start altering their roster to, to fill – to, to spackle in and get, make sure they got everything covered. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, Derek, you know, at one point he he said, you know, he said to everybody could hear it. You know, can you win this league without hitters? Because I don't think he had a single one fairly deep in, in the league. And then you know, bam, bam, bam. He you know loaded up, uh, I think, with three or four pretty good ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, let me uh, take a quick look here. Yeah, you got Kyle Seeger at twenty. I think that was one of his first ones. 
Uh, Nelson Cruz also, I recall that. Cano. So, I mean, he actually wound up, Rugnetto Dorp, wound up building a pretty nice uh, core. He got a nice price on Greg Burr for $7, I thought. Yeah. He, he went for 15 at the NFBC one I was watching with uh, Nando and Ficaro. Yeah. So, uh, Brent, uh, any observations? Well, you took part, so you could be your own team or... Yeah, uh, I mean, the thing that I uh, realized early on, I mean, I was a rookie to uh, a lot of these, uh, a lot of you all uh, that have been doing this for, doing this league for a long time, is uh, just the speed of the of the draft uh, took a little bit for me to get used to. There was a couple times where I uh, purchased somebody uh, and uh, right off on the next, you know, the next nomination was someone I was interested in, you know, trying to sort of, uh, keep organized that uh, was a little bit of a, a little bit of a challenge but I, I i came adapted to it and and uh felt pretty decent about my team i uh the the one thing i got uh, i got cabrera uh and encarnacion uh right off the bat and uh at that point uh for 36 and 35 and while i like those prices uh soon after that i was kind of, kind of doubting myself whether i wanted to uh you know having those two big corner guys right off and not uh, you know, how it was going to work in team construction. And uh, overall, I was happy with uh, how it played out then. But. Well, I'm glad that you, you raised, the, raised the point of, you know, the fast pace of it. Uh, our auctioneer's Jeff Erickson. Yeah. He, he keeps it going. Yeah. <laughs> he keeps He's known for it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I thought about in the aftermath, you know, because, you know, we're all creating content here. You know, we're, yeah. we're taking lessons to help others and, you know, and also improve our own game. And the one thing that really struck me, the, really the first thing afterwards was, the kind of the mental games that I think I don't pay enough attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so part of that is just the kind of the grind of a, of a four hour auction and that you are going to make mistakes. Yeah. Um, you know, I made at least one <laughs> that, you know, that I regretted almost immediately. And that was getting David Price at 11 uh, when Ron Chandler threw him out there for 10. And yeah, uh, you just yeah. got to keep going. Yeah. You were just trying to move it along? No, no. Well, I mean, it wasn't – I thought it would move along, but it was just more this, you know, kind of very quick thought in my mind, like, that that's a bargain. Yeah. You know, he's worth David more than Price 10, 11, even, that's even if he misses, yeah. you know, half the season. Yeah. Um, but then, you know – But when he lands on your roster. Then. Yeah, exactly. When it was real, I thought, oh, yeah. you know, I think I misjudged this market, and I think that, you know, it was relatively early on, so there were opportunities to spend that $11 – in a lot of different ways that could have helped me, I think, at least as much and certainly minimize the risk. You're but, also probably not thrilled with Stephen Matz getting his next start no. skipped with uh, bulky elbow as well. We, we 11, talked right? about that as soon as we got here this morning. That was one that he's like, I can't believe Matz because he saw me tweet it out earlier. I mean, I, I, I love him, but that you know that puts the fear of God right back into me with yep. with, with, with Stephen Matz. Um, but, yeah, I mean, 11. Right. I, I like both at 11. Price, we'll, we'll see how it goes, right? It's always tough in the moment of of March, of like, are we taking this too seriously or yeah. not seriously enough? Because every year there's going to be some. I don't know which injuries they are, but there's some of these injury scares that we're going to look back on in May, mm-hmm. just in, just in a month yep. and a half, and laugh and be like, remember when we were like so worried about so and so? Ian Desmond, yeah, <laughs> or vice versa. We're gonna be like, we did not pay that enough. I mind, and now this dude's out. So, yeah. which one is is price going to be? I know right now we're all leaning toward it's going to be a bad one. But that could end up being like the steal, and it carries you, yeah. and you don't even worry about Matt's because you got a thirty dollars price value wise uh, for eleven bucks. So, I mean, 
I totally understand you though, where you're like, oh, I'm just gonna keep this moving at 11, and then you're like, wait, wait, why did they stop? What? <laughs> that wasn't supposed Jerks. to happen. What are they doing out here? <laughs> but that's a great. That's a great point about the injuries this time of year is trying to discern where they're gonna where they're gonna fall. Part of the information know. age downside is that yeah. we get every single bit, yep. and we don't know how to process it perfectly because we just they're just saying, oh, you know, he's got a bulky elbow, he's gonna miss a start. Do we freak out and move them down around, or is that just kind of the normal thing? Anytime we hear somebody has a UCL sprain, we completely freak out. Hundreds of guys are out there pitching with UCL sprains. Par- partial. We don't know yep. what partial right. it is. Are they at 14%? Are they at 38%? Where are they at? So, uh, yeah, deciphering and, and dis- you know figuring out what the best way to react to injury news is still kind of an untapped, you know, a market inefficiency. A- absolutely. And that kind of gets back to what, you know, I was piggybacking off of Brent with is, you know, the speed that you have to think about this. So I think about, you know, you asked me, what was my thought process with David Price? And it's kind of like this thing from a movie where it's like in your mind. It's in slow motion yep. at oh ten dollars, you know, but yeah. but you know really it's happening very fast and it's you know and I'm and I'm recalling it and thinking okay, number one that seems like a bargain. Number two, it's early. I know he's risky, but I'm going to go and I'm going to build a solid rotation behind him. Well, you know part of that rotation now is Stephen Matz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know it's uh, you know that that's a, a good thing for me to kind of notice about my own thought processes. Okay, early in the draft, uh, you know, it's kind of like having a credit card. You think, you know, oh, well, I'm going to pay this back later. I got a five thousand dollar limit. <laughs> I can go get whatever I want right now. You know, so uh, there's this sort of mental bias there. And another place that came up was much later on. I got Caesar Hernandez for five dollars, and I was very happy about that because and, and Greg just gave you a thumbs up because I needed OBP, I needed steals pretty desperately. Sneaky, and he sneaky was, OBP guy, by the way. Yeah, very much. Sneaky. I believe in the BABIP yeah. for uh, Caesar Hernandez, and. Um, you know, so he was like one of the few players that I thought could could actually help me in both areas, and but there was again sort of a mental bias there, like oh Cesar Hernandez, I've never seen him pursued in an auction before. Am I going to be crazy? And this was like the fifth or sixth person where I I had that thought and I stopped sh- too short with the other players. So this time I did go the extra dollar and I got him, mm-hmm. but um, I think I worried too much about what other people think. To be honest. I've been there. I think we've all been there. Yeah. You know, you, you had a guy that you got a star by, and you think that he's worth eight, and he's only at four, and you don't say five, and you're like, well, why didn't I? Why didn't I do that? Why didn't I trust the the outputs that I have here? And obviously, you know, none of our dollar values are perfect, but if you if you got somebody double what they're at, you got to go the extra dollar. I, I like that. I, I honestly, I like the rotation that you put together. You got Scherzer leading it. By the way, are you going to get him to to turn to a left hander because everybody else is left handed? <laughs> yeah, that Price. was that was that was not strategy. <laughs> Price Keiko, Matt, Smiley, Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I like it. I think it's a solid mix of, of your risk and, and upside because, um, you know, even Smiley at $5, he could be a $20 pitcher. Yeah. If he can find a modicum of health, um, I think that, that guy is awesome. Eduardo Rodriguez, the knee seems to be good right now, mm-hmm. and that's that's a huge dollar guy. How do you feel about Keiko? 15 bucks. I don't think you overpaid. I think last year the league adjusted. But they didn't adjust to a 450. A lot of that was his health. His shoulder injury. So yeah. you feel confident about the shoulder? I feel very confident about him. He's pitched well this spring. And again, I hate to, to put too much stock into that, but it's, but but with it's health, backing up it my narrative. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. But also with a health guy, I do think it matters. Whether the results are good or not, but like the strikeouts and walks, his velocity, his stuff, mm-hmm. we're getting good reports on Keiko. So I understand why, you, why you're feeling that way about him with regards to the shoulder. Uh, obviously, Scherzer is, is your stud. I think you got the makings of a good crew here, and then Feliz Colome uh, as your closers and Caps as somebody who could maybe take that job from Brandon Maurer, and you'd have three closers there. 
Is it a situation where you think you'll you'll want to churn some of these guys? Are you going to give Eduardo Rodriguez like a leash, like keep him around for a month, month and a half, or is it somebody that you would burn quickly well, if he didn't go well? Because for me, he was you know sort of a sleeper coming in, um, you know, a guy that I liked. Uh, I'll probably give him a leash unless it goes really badly. But I, I can't see giving him less than a month, to be yeah. honest. Because uh, I came in believing in him. It's not somebody that I, I literally took a flyer on and thought, well, you know, it's not somebody I'm really that interested in. But, but maybe there's something there. Uh, I'll give him a little bit more of a leash uh, than that. Um, so we've got to go back to break again. But uh, I think we've got a little bit more to talk about here with the mixed auction. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkier, and uh, we are having a special Tout Wars edition today. We're on for two hours. We're on until 2 p.m. Eastern today, and so a bigger show. We've got a bigger group. We've got Greg Jewett, uh, our usual Sunday guest uh, from FanRag, but uh, also we've got from Baseball HQ, we've got Brent Hershey, and from FanGraphs, and I have to be like mix up the FanGraphs fan and the FanRag fan occasionally, <laughs> but we have Paul Sport from FanGraphs. So uh, welcome all. Um, if you've uh, been uh, listening, then you know we've been breaking down the uh, mixed league auction from yesterday. Uh, we've got the NL going on right now. We're going to come back to the mixed league. And, and Greg, I know you had some players you wanted to talk about, but I just I want to kind of do an instant response to something here uh, from Twitter. At uh, Jones Curtis W uh, tweeted at Rasball. Trey Turner went for uh, only two dollars more than Stanton. That's not the way NFBC drafts have been going. Love that start. Now I'm going to confirm. I'm assuming he's talking about the NL, uh, where mm-hmm. Turner went for 30, and Stanton. Yeah, Stanton went for 28. Both. Oh, okay. Both to Rasball. Uh, both to Gray Albright. And and isn't that less than what Turner went for yesterday in yours? Yeah, he went 34 in the mixed. Yeah. Yeah. So where are you at? Because I think Turner is about as polarizing a player as there is this spring. Uh, I'm definitely a downer on him. Uh, I feel like like uh, the expectations have gotten a little overheated. But how, uh, Greg, how do you, you, you feel about that uh, com- comparison between Turner and Stanton? Um, I don't know because you can't say anybody is you know injury prone because he's had some freak injuries with Stanton. So I mean, both of those both of those numbers in an L only I think represent upside. Quite frankly, as long as you know Stanton's healthy. That's a good price on him, um, especially with the the OBP format. Um, Turner, I think everyone is polarizing. I know I know Paul uh, has has some stock in Turner, so he can probably speak to it too. I mean, if if he hits 13 home runs and steals 35 bags, then where he's going is probably reasonable. It's just where you sit on the fence with those with those totals. I think with Trey Turner, so like I. There's a first-round tax, right? Actually, Jeff Zimmerman and I were talking about this with regards to Carlos Correa last year. I think most of the projection mm-hmm. systems probably had him in, like, the second round when you really kind of stack up where they were. But you're paying that tax because he could go crazy. He could go bananas and be a bona fide first-rounder. Now, that's probably not – you can lose a lot that way by, by paying a tax for guys uh, based on potential. Mm-hmm. But I think that's kind of where Turner is this year. I don't think he needs to advance the power. 
to be worth a, a first round pick or, or, or very close to. I am kind of looking at the counting stats of Starling Marte last year. Nine homers, 47 stolen bases. Um, now, the 71 runs and 46 ribbies, that's because he played 129 games. If Turner goes 9-47 and then plays a full season atop the Washington lineup and does 80 plus on uh, 80 plus runs, I think it'd be, even be 90 plus runs, to be honest, and then whatever, 50, I don't really care about his RBIs for uh, that kind of guy. We're not, we're not focused on the RBIs, so give him 50 to 60 and a 280 average. I don't really have a problem with that at the back end of the first round. I think you also have to factor in uh, that he's going to be second base, outfield, and shortstop. That kind of flexibility in most leagues is so crucial. You talk about a 15-team mix. You know, he's going er- he's going early in the uh, NFBC. There's no trading. You want to have flexibility so that you can get any potential free agent available. So I think you add a couple bucks uh, of theoretical value or or a few picks in in a draft to Turner because of that flexibility. So if you're if you're looking at like I said, Mark of 2016 plus the vibe uh, the flexibility i've got him in the first round now jason collette uh my my co-manager in labor is even higher on him so we took him at 10 uh bryce harper was our target he went at nine uh we took him at 10 i personally probably wouldn't have done that if i'm going solo but i liked him enough that i could concede there because yeah. it was like a five pick difference so i'm like I, there's nobody i was gonna bat for i wish i'd have seen carlos correa before that draft, like because in the WBC, not because of the way he hit, but the way he looked physically, mm-hmm. he looks a lot more uh, cut. I think the power is really going to take a step for Carlos Correa, and I probably would have lobbied for him. Uh, we took him first last year, so I don't know if you would want to go back to that well, but I wouldn't have cared. But uh, yeah, I totally get the Turner in the first round. I understand the trepidation for some, but stolen bases is is kind of the easiest way to really spike your value. So I, I think he can kind of earn a lot of those dollars back. Uh, well, okay, so you made the, the comparison between um, Correa circa 2016 mm-hmm. and, and Turner now. Um, Brent, what, what occurred to me when, when Paul, and Paul makes a, a good case for Turner, mm-hmm. um, but the, the landscape is so different now than it was a year ago. It's hard That's to believe true. that a year ago, I, I was so big, and, and too big on, on Correa, but the thought was, not only does he have that incredible ceiling, but it's, it's in a pool that looks pretty unimpressive on the whole, and of course we had so many shortstops. Yeah take a huge step forward in 2016. Yeah. Do you think that that, that uh, is a factor to dampen Turner's value or that he, even with that improved pool, that he still stands out? I'm, I'm with you. I'm a little bit you know, more wary of, of uh, Turner just, just because of the sort of, when I take a guy in the first round or spend 30-plus dollars on him, I, I want more certainty than that at this point. Um, and the Correa example to me is just is the is the easiest one you know to to make a, a year ago, uh, you know Correa was the Turner that we were all excited about. I mean Paul's point about about stolen bases though, as opposed to Correa being a more power guy, uh, I think is is uh, valid though uh, too because the because the stolen bases given the landscape and the and the decline of stolen bases. Uh, and his, you know, the, the speed that doesn't slump really. Uh, he has a better, I guess, you know, a, a slightly better chance than Correa did last year of kind of uh, returning that. But it's a, it's a fascinating, you know, it's a, it's a fascinating thing to look at. Yeah, no, I, I agree, and you know, continue to be polarizing. You know, just sort of like last year, Trout versus Harper, and that was, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Well, actually, that got kind of resolved earlier than I think maybe we expected. But uh, speaking of resolving, so Greg, you had a, a short list of some players there that you you found the prices to be pretty intriguing. Yeah, um, two two injury guys, um, and all and, and two this of is, you I'm were sorry, in 
this is the auction. mixed auction. Yeah, this now. is the mixed auction. Yeah. So uh, this is Brent and Al. Uh, JD Martinez is at six dollars, and Ian Desmond at nine. Yeah. Which, I, which of those two would you prefer to have? Ooh. I, I'll say JDM. I think they're both incredible values, and I think going back to Paul's point from earlier that there are certain players will look back a month from now and say, why were yeah. we so panicked? And I think that, that could very easily be Desmond. More so because the Liz Frank injury really does worry me for Martinez. But I just think his ceiling is so so tremendous. And after last year, he improved the plate discipline pretty substantially has great power. I still think it's a very good lineup that the Tigers have. So, um, you know, for $6, it's, it's a risk that's hard to see not taking. Yeah, and we let Zinke get him, right, after yeah. all that other stuff. I mean, what are you guys I mean, doing it, out there? Yeah. you got to stop Zinke. Yeah. It's too good. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I agree. Those are, those are again, two, two of the things that Paul was talking about. You know, those injuries that happen here quick, and we have to make a decision on – how serious they're going to be throughout the throughout the year, or if it's just a you know looking back in May and like why are we worried about that? Uh, I um, I don't I don't know. They they go. I mean they they I could go either way on like which one I feel is the is the better value. I would I would probably lean towards Martinez uh, too um, because of the because of the power and. Um, you know the uncertainty of the OBP because it's an OBP league for mm-hmm. uh, for Desmond. Uh, not you know, good point. Not yeah. not being uh, as patient there and and uh, you know definitely gives you the counting stats, but um, but the you know well, downgrading a bit just because of the OBP. And with a hand, you just don't know how it's going to affect him when he comes back, right? How, yeah. How effective is Ian Desmond going to be immediately upon return? Now I think. Coors Field covers some of that, yeah. right? You, you can uh, maybe he collects a lot of base hits, but he doesn't have a lot of power. It could be kind of more of an empty batting average with some good runs. Uh, maybe he he steals some bases too. But then you know, if the hand is worrisome, uh, is he going to steal bases because he doesn't want to do head first slides and like re injure something? Yeah. So it, 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 it they are both nerve wracking. But I think JD Martinez at six bucks. I mean, he can miss a month. And you know, a month and a half even, yeah. and I think six bucks is too low because I just don't. I don't think he's going to fall apart. So I, I would obviously, I, I honestly, have taken either. I would put both on the on the roster at fifteen bucks total. But uh, I think Martinez is the better one. If they're at equal cost, it's it's a different discussion. Yeah. But with JD being three dollars less, I think he's the better buy. Yeah. No. And you know, you both made I think points that are worth uh, you know thinking about. You know, for those of you who may have upcoming drafts, that yeah, you know, I made a. Uh, a point about the Liz Frank injury for Martinez, but the hand injury could be just as troublesome. And yeah, if you're in an OBP league, you know, or a, a points league, then Ian Desmond definitely, I think, deserves an additional discount there yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, another thing about Desmond too that just came to mind that um, before the injury and when he he signed with the Rockies, uh, some people were making Gerardo Para comparisons with him. And initially, I really dismissed it because, well, this is not Gerardo Parra. This is Desmond, and he's you know much more proven power source. But their bat at ball profiles are much more similar than I really realized. Um, so, I think Paul, it was you that said uh, that the cores effect you know may cover for some of the yeah. the injury risk. But uh, to what degree do you guys think that's true? I mean, it depends on the injury. You know, uh, speaking of Parra, he was a nightmare. In, in, in Coors mm-hmm. last year, and you know, you, you can't just walk in there and and, and do anything, right? Yeah. I think he kind of he kind of showed that in 381 plate appearances last year. He had a 671 OPS. Now they weren't all in in Coors, but the fact is, it, it did not really lift Gerardo Parra. 
he was playing three injuries. He only played 102 games, so you don't really know. But that also goes to the point of, well, if Ian Desmond's playing through injuries and he is still dealing with the nagging hand, he isn't necessarily guaranteed. But generally speaking, I, I love Coors. I think even as focused on as it is, it's still an underrated aspect of fantasy. I don't think we account for it nearly enough. Um, again, it doesn't raise anybody. You can't just take the worst hitter, throw him in there, and he's a 300 hitter. But I think a lot of guys don't get enough love. Like the Trevor Story, I have no problem taking him in the second round. Yes, the 30% strikeout rate is worrisome. It is a lot of that is covered by Coors, mm-hmm. a lot of it. And we we saw we saw the power last year. I think we, uh, he could run for 20 if he plays a full season. So I love someone like Trevor Story. I just the, any deficiency a player has if he plays in Coors, it's got to be minimized, not ignored, mm-hmm. but minimized by that park. It's mm-hmm. just so good. Plus, don't forget. Uh, what nine ten games in Arizona as well if you're in if you're a Colorado Rocky so you get another ten games that are juiced up by playing in Arizona which is not quite the same level but that's also a great park that I'm not sure we give enough love to yeah I mean that's a great way of looking at it. I mean I've I've thought about it in that way too of just you know being uh, like you said minimizing the, uh, the risk and and it has to be has to be someone that can hit already obviously like you said can't just throw anybody out there um, but that. But it's uh, certainly a fact that we need to uh, take care, you know, take into account. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, that's you know, a good point. And yeah, we, we focus on on course, but I mean, it wasn't even the the best home run park in the majors last year. I think that was Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think, Miller Park. I think there may have been another park in the NL ahead of. Ahead of uh, I would Colorado. believe it. Miller Park yeah, is, Miller is insane. Miller yeah. is, People is. keep under that. There, there's a lot of value in the in the Brewers. Yeah, yeah, on offense. Yeah, they're a very good fantasy team this year with their offense. I agree mm-hmm. with you. Let's talk about that when we come back. We got to go to break, but I like that topic. So, uh, folks, stick with us. We're gonna talk about the Brewers when we come back. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host Al Melchior, and uh, we've got a bigger crew here today. But it's a bigger show, two hours, and we're talking Tout Wars, uh, the AL, the NL, mixed auction, mixed uh, draft. Uh, or uh, head-to-head draft, rather. We have uh, Greg Jewett here from FanRag. We also have Paul Spore from FanGraphs. And uh, we had Brent Hershey before, but uh, uh, Brent is uh, heading back home. Uh, so, And we are now joined by Jeff Zimmerman. And uh, Jeff writes for FanGraphs, but uh, as we were talking earlier today, you're, we can find you all over the place. So where else, where else can we find you? Yeah, besides I'm um, Rotographs, I'll also be at RotoWire and then also doing some stuff for Baseball HQ. That's pretty much my limit right now that's the, i think that's enough yeah that's, that's where i stand too it's it, it gets tough to go on and it's also tough to turn down work is kind of another thing too where it's like you still want to view quality and not send too much stuff over to paul to edit all the time <laughs> well um i've been a big i'm a big fan of all you guys so um, i'm really glad to have you you join me here today um and jeff you were in the mixed auction yesterday we're going to get to that in a second but i did promise some brewer talk i got a little excited about it so i feel like i've got to follow through on that but uh yeah i think uh, it's not just me uh there's a number of players that i think are are drawing some excitement in auctions um so from you know from this weekend so far or maybe even just from your own drafts and auctions um you know who on the brewers do you think maybe still has some some untapped value i mean i really like the team Keon Broxton's obviously getting a lot of love, power, speed guy. I think he might even still be a little bit undervalued. I understand that the strikeout rate is is a problem, right? But he absolutely blasts the ball when he does make contact. So I think it's a situation where if he can just get sub-30 
right? Don't be don't be a 35% strikeout rate guy. You can be 27, 28, and that would work for me. But uh, going deeper, kind of like off the radar, because everyone's, you know, VR's going early. Broxton's the hype guy. Uh, Braun, we, we know about. Eric Thames, people, you know, are hyped on him. I think two other guys, Domingo Santana and Travis Shaw, are really interesting. And I think their interest it lies in the fact that we know they're good power guys, right? We, we've, seen, we've seen the power. They're on that team that's going to run a ton. And I don't think that either of them is going to like necessarily steal 20. But if but Travis Shaw specifically, you never think of him as a runner. No. But he's like a smart runner. He knows what he's doing. I think he could get like 12. Just 12 stolen bases kind of randomly with 25 homers perhaps in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be really huge at third base. Domingo Santana, again, a power guy that we like uh, to break out. A lot of folks like him as an outfield breakout mid-teens sort of stolen base potential. He's shown it before. He's like, he's really, uh, you know, the, that's the figure of a power guy, but he can he has speed too. And so I think with this team, the way they run, you don't want to forget about the, the guys that you might not expect. Even Eric Thames, who had that 40-40 season over in Korea, obviously he's not going to come anywhere near 40-40. But if he's 25-12, and 12, I, I guess that's, those are the numbers I'm leaning under, 25-12. Mm-hmm. and 12, But that's like a really good power-speed combo. If you're getting 37 homers plus stolen base, is combined out of these mid-round picks, that's a boon. So I really like this team. I think they're going to continue to run wild, too. Yeah, Greg, you did a nice analysis on Thames uh, earlier in the offseason. Um, I'm trying to remember where you came down on the st- – I think you were pretty close to Paul's numbers. Very, very close to yeah. Paul's with uh, with my projection. And then the steamer actually came out after the article that was more aggressive. And I was very, like, steamer that, was more aggressive than me. That's the craziest so. thing is the projection systems love him. Oh, they're, they're – yeah, it's – and and especially you know in this format and and I love the price you got Domingo yesterday yeah, right yeah a dollar yeah Domingo at a dollar in that OBP I think even bumps him up more because I think he he has some uh, latent OBP to him and if he does get those pocket steals like Paul was talking about um, he's somebody that's going really really late in drafts that can really be uh, a roster booster yeah no I think uh, Santana was probably my favorite dollar guy from yesterday so uh, yeah I feel good about that so. Uh, well, Jeff, uh, you participated in the auction, the mixed league auction yesterday. You did not get a single brewer. Were you? Were you even tempted? <laughs> How or? mad are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying for VR. He was kind of a target, and there was heavy bidding across the auction. Probably already talked about that. It was a lot, very, very top heavy. And like I said, I was that was the one I was kind of hoping for, getting the home runs and trying to get some steals. It's I think you can find home runs. Used to go to find steals, but now with kind of the power, there seems to be a lot of fifteen to twenty power that comes out of nowhere. Yep. Galvis hitting twenty. Like, That's crazy. That Freddie Galvis crazy. hitting twenty home runs is absolutely insane. <laughs> I was like, I mean, no one even. I'm sure he didn't even go to yesterday, but it was like there's twenty home run guys that just like popped up last year, and it used to be that way with steals. So I was like, I was trying to lock in some steals, which I had to end up doing. But yeah, he was probably the one brewer that I was kind of targeting and hoping to get because you'd have the home runs with it too, and he had some. Like, yeah. it's not a zero with it. And he's hitting the top of the lineup. He gets on base. He gives you other stuff. He's not Billy Hamilton. I kind of wanted the other stats mm-hmm. besides the home runs. Just right. trying to get it spread out a little bit. I agree with you on that. I, I don't. I don't really like the speed only guys, uh, like Billy Hamilton. Like that. I, for some reason, I, I think you have to alter your draft or auction from that point if you take one of them. But VR, even if his homers fall back, I think he had 19 last year. I think you could cut off like seven of those, and I'm still going to feel pretty happy about 12. Uh, 50 stolen bases because the OBP and this is OBP leaks so that really helps him because people are worried about his batting average a little bit too because he can strike out sometimes but I thought at 32 bucks Joe Pizapia 
it got a little bit of a steal. It's hard to say steal when you're talking about guys over $30, but in that realm, I think in an OBP league, Jonathan VR for 32 is a really nice scoop. Those, those steals are they're, the, a steal. They're so they're huge. Yeah, they're, they're, the steals are a <laughs> steal, absolutely. <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about who you did uh, get, Jeff. So uh, walk us through. It's a nice, it's a nice balanced roster. Um, I like it a lot, but... Uh, did you have a particular strategy in mind in terms of you know pitcher hitter split, uh, category split, or just looking for value in general? Or, I'm I, generally a value guy, yeah. and I'd actually looked historically at this, and Kershaw, I think he had a max of thirty six dollars, mm-hmm. and Trout had never never gone over forty eight, and I was willing to go to those values, which went way past. I was like, I'll go to the historic values and and see if anyone's willing to go above, which everyone did yesterday. So I kind of just went to the value mode after that. I kind of had an idea I was going to get Chris Davis. He had a wrist injury last year. He played through it the whole year. It just really sapped his power. So I literally just went back to his 2016 projection and used that. And you're talking mm-hmm. about Chris with a C, right? With a C. Yes. Yeah, no, that, I, I was mad at you because um, he was one of my targets too. <laughs> and I thought uh, he would be underappreciated and, and you fully appreciate him. So that ruined my plot to, to get him. Um, but, you know, you made a statement. You said that the, the wrist injury sapped his power. And, and I would argue it actually didn't because the hard contact rate was, was right where it's been. I don't recall the, the home run to fly ball ratio. But the, the power indicators were, I think, roughly in, in the neighborhood they were in, in 2016. Uh, but he lost doubles power. Um, and I'm not sure if we attribute that to the wrist or, you know. I don't, yeah, I didn't know where to attribute it to. But it was just like looking across the board that – I don't remember when I wrote it up, but I like yeah. literally looked at it and like, here's the projection I'm going to use. And I just was like, I kind of handed it like, oh, I'll give him this much more. And it just really looked like his two projection coming into 2016. So I was like, I'll just use that. Yeah. And I'll just like, I'll just run with that. And that's kind of where he was last year was around that. Everyone had him a lot higher yeah, yeah. last year than this year. And I was just like, well, I'll just put him back and hope he's healthy. And it's like, you need some kind of breakouts. And I kind of went with the old man breakouts with some of my <laughs> players. And it was like, I was kind of big on Stanton. Um, I just ran an article at Baseball HQ, and really there's no such thing as injury-prone hitters. So it's... Um, yeah, Greg was saying that earlier. So, Especially um, with Stanton and his freak injuries. Yeah. 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 I mean, and and he, the he, he sort of had a leg. It was like a groin or something that was it. Otherwise, all this stuff was like being hit and stuff like that. So just looking at those historically players, they don't continue to get hit. Like, Tulo Stills got it, and he's been healthy for years. Nelson Cruz took him years to get rid of it. Remember when uh, Evan Longoria early on was known as, like, mm-hmm. uh, an injury-prone guy? Now, in his 30s, he's 155 games a year all mm-hmm. of a sudden. It, it is crazy sometimes. Ian Kinsler, at the early part of his career, yeah. he had mm-hmm. some injuries, and it's like, this guy's just never going to, you know, he had that 130-30 season, but what's he going to do? Now he's as steady as it gets. So it is a situation where um, – these guys get the tag of injury prone and then they get healthier later in their career because it's not really something where some guys have bad bodies right but they're the outliers Rocco Baldelli had a bad body it was just not cut out to be a professional athlete and that does happen but those are the outliers we call a lot of guys injury prone who are not injury prone as Jeff study suggests yeah and the um the other one you can look at is like yeah the David Wright's one where it's like if this is a yeah because he has a degenerative back right but otherwise um the best way to actually to kind of get these injury-prone guys is look at them in drafts. Is You see Stanton, you'll see him against a guy projected at 600 plate appearances, and he's at 500. Take him, because he has a chance to be an upside to get to the 600. If they have the same projection, they're valued the same, that's your upside, is the Stanton. The playing the, time. The Harpers, 
those are the guys that have upside right now because everyone's discounting their play distance. Well, Jeff, we got to uh, wrap up the hour here. So thank you so much for sharing uh, this uh, segment with us and talking about your team. We will be back at the top of the hour. And uh, stay tuned. We got a lot more Tout Wars to break down. Hope to see you there. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The stage is set. The destination, New York City. The field of battle, Rockin' Riley's Pub. The grand prize, Fantasy Fantasy Baseball Glory. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network's coverage of Tout Wars continues now. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And you probably gathered we're here at Tout Wars, special Tout Wars edition. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joined, uh, joining me today, as usual on Sunday, is Greg Jewett from, uh, from uh, FanRag and from FanGraphs, keeping it straight there. We've got Paul Spohr here for uh, at least part of the, uh, the second hour of the show. And joining us in what was the Jeff Zimmerman seat uh, is Mike Podhorzer, also from FanGraphs. So welcome, Mike. Too much fan graphs going on. We need to mix it up. No, not enough. Not enough. Greg, we need to sign you on on fan graphs. That all four <laughs> that's of what us I meant, Paul. are on fan graphs. We're all just fans. Sweep it. That's that's what it comes down to. So, all right, we've we've uh, broken down the uh, head-to-head uh, uh, draft. We or not the draft. I'm sorry, the the auction, the mixed auction. We've done a little bit of analysis on the NL auction. So. It's time for AL auction. It is action. time. Time for some AL action. So you took part in that. And uh, he drafted every Yankee. Or he bought every Yankee. Essentially. And I'm not even a Yankee fan. That's kind of the interesting part. So, um, you, you, of course, you started with Trout. Uh, it looks like you, you went a little bit heavier on offense than, than pitching. I want to talk about your pitching first. Uh, Felix Hernandez, David Price. Matt Shoemaker are your, are your double-digit guys, Craig Kimbrell. Even Craig Kimbrell, some people are seeing has a little bit of a risk. I'm not sure that he's necessarily risky, but let's talk about Felix and Price. Those are the ones that are going to get attention. Felix at 16, Price at 13. Talk first about Felix. Um, you see in a, what kind of bounce back are you seeing here? Obviously at 16, you, you see something coming back, and then we'll get to Price with the injury. Yeah, I came into the season kind of down on Felix. His velocity was down last year. It's been in decline basically every year for the past couple of years. He had some control issues. You know, there's been little talk of elbow problems the last couple of years, and, and so he's a guy I was kind of nervous about. However, in spring, his velocity is up. It looks like he's throwing 92 now, and I think that's a big deal. So, whatever is the cause for that velocity rebound, uh, not sure, but it makes me a little more encouraged about his prospects for actually rebounding. And I don't expect the Felix of old, but if we can get a low three ERA rather than a mid to high three ERA, exactly. he's going to easily be a profit at 16 bucks. And I think with that increased velocity, that's more and more likely than I expected going into the season. And if there's health, uh, you're getting a boatload of innings with it too. Yeah. So you're going to get that mid mid to low threes ERA for for 200 plus innings. Uh, then price, of course, is, is the big question of the weekend. We were talking about him in the mix. You paid 13. I don't think that's a bad price in an AL. Uh, you're just taking the upside gamble there. Yeah, crossing my fingers that he's <laughs> yeah. not going to end up on the DL. And of course, we don't know if that elbow problem is going to affect his performance as well. So 
crossing my fingers it doesn't put him back on the DL sometime during the season. And of course, when he's actually on the mound, he'll give us good price rather than the mediocre one that we saw last year. And for 13 bucks, I figured it was a, a cheap enough price to take that risk. It's a pretty solid gamble, I agree. So, uh, price 13 in the AL versus 11 in the mixed. Yeah, I think uh, I think Mike got the better part. <laughs> Mike, Mike won there for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, let's keep going with your pitching uh, because there's not too much separating uh, Felix and Price for Matt Shoemaker at 11. I really like Shoemaker. I was disappointed not to get him in the mixed auction. Uh, was he a target for yours? Was that uh, your price for no, him? No, he wasn't a target, but just looking at my values, it seemed like, I'm like, wow, Matt Shoemaker, 14 bucks. Okay, looks like I'm probably going to get him. And I think the question was just how he was going to rebound after getting hit in the head last year, mm-hmm. but it looks like in the spring he's looking good and he, he's back on track. And if he continues to throw that splitter as often as, as he has uh, in the second half of last year, I think he's going to be a good source of strikeouts and... He's not a, in a good ballpark for fly balls, and you know he gives up fly balls and home runs. So he's in a good spot, and I, I think he's going to be strong all season long and a good value at $11. And uh, moving over to the hitters, so, of course, the, your big ticket item is, is Mike Trout. We also have that in common at uh, $47. Um, was that uh, – I mean, I, I had a conversation with Fred Zeke right before the au- auction yesterday, and we both said neither of us could remember ever owning Mike Trout. And I certainly had never... I bid 51 in the mixed on him. I've never bid that high in a Tout Wars auction. Maybe in one or two others uh, at most. So uh, is this... uh, Was that a thing that surprised you that you went that high? No. Actually, I had to plan this. So Friday, finished my spreadsheet, finished my values. I was going down the values. And I had Mike Trout worth over 50 bucks. And I I had to tell myself, because I know in the moment I could never bring myself to bid over $40 on a player. Especially Mm -hmm. AL only. If you get a guy injured that you just paid over forty dollars for the replacements, it's it's sad. You twelve team AL only, like yeah, that. unbelievable. The, the they're scraping. The, he took Travis Wood as a reserve, like, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so sorry. Go ahead, but like, so you said you're not comfortable going forty. You would go seven more dollars because you knew you had him at fifty plus on your valuations. Yeah, and and so I had to psych myself into it, saying, "All right, going in, I will go up to fifty bucks." No matter where he ends, if it's below fifty dollars, I'm going to be that high bidder. If it exceeds fifty, I'm probably going to drop out. I'm going to be too nervous. But anything below fifty, I'm going in. I had to tell myself that going into the, the auction because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to pull the trigger. You know, it's funny that you say that because I regretted not going the extra dollar on Trout in one of my earlier auctions, and so I'm sure that had a lot to do with me having the guts to go to fifty-one on him because. I, I don't remember if it was that I failed to go to 50 or 51, but it was you know, right in that same area. And I and in the previous one, I bailed. And so this one, I said, yeah, I'm going the dollar. Yeah, and he actually went for about the same price in last year's AL auction. And yet this version of Trout is back to stealing bases again. And he upped his on-base percentage even higher. Yeah. So this is a better version of Trout, yeah. and I got it for the same price. It, 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 it's interesting. I think a lot of folks have the same reservations that you and Al do about going 50 on somebody and or even pushing them past 45, when in actuality, I mean, that that's where he's at. I think a lot of people that run their numbers probably come to the same conclusion that he's above 50, but they're like, oh, I can't pay that, though. Yes, you can. You really can <laughs> with Trout. I mean, that few things are more guaranteed than Trout as, insofar as we can guarantee anything. So I like what you did there with Trout. 
I love your secondary stud too. Francisco Lindor is somebody I'm really excited about. Um, I do think that he's going to give you kind of like a, a bit of everything, right? Are you expecting more of the same from last year or any changes to his profile as he gets his second year going? I expect more of the same, and the thing is that there were really no discounts in the middle infield, so it's a matter of either getting a guy at value or you know, saving a buck or two, and I wanted to get that guy, and Lindor was the only guy who was basically not going over my price. I'm happy to get five-category production from him. He's going to be in the middle of the lineup all year, gives me some power, stolen bases, good on-base guy. So he's all there, and he wasn't as expensive as some of the other guys. One price stands out to me here, uh, for your, your team. That's Shinsuchu at 16. So, um, you know, I'm sure that you know where the question is. <laughs> OBP helps that, though. OBP helps. You know, that's that's clearly that that gives him a boost in the format. Um, I, he's just somebody who I don't really have a do not draft list, but if I did, he would be on it because I Why, Al? Please enlighten us. Because he's hurt all the time. I know it's yeah, a huge yeah. shock <laughs> that that's, that's where I'm going with this, but I mean, so what was your thought process? Well, I know he went, I believe it was two years ago he went for in the 30s yeah. in this league and that was when he was OBPing like 400 and 20 home runs 10 steals obviously he's not that same guy but still he's always going to have a good OBP he always walks a, a lot he still has power he's an excellent lineup at a really good park so he's got everything there and for 16 bucks that's probably the cheapest he's gone in, in a while it, it really is and obviously it's because the the injuries piled up last year and they played 48 games but even that, you still saw the 357 OVP. The dude knows the strike zone. Shin Chu is going to get you good OVP. So I like it. You know, got to find a modicum of health there. But it was a decent gamble. I want to talk about one of your uh, flashier ones. I don't think you overpaid though. Greg Bird, twelve dollars. Obviously, his stock is rising league you know all over the place i saw an NFBC where they list kind of the min pick, like the earliest they went. Somebody took him inside. Uh, right around 100 which i think is is kind of obscene i was curious to see how he was going to go 12 dollars in al i didn't think you paid that big of a tax how'd you feel about the 12 dollar purchase that shocked me because he's a guy that had a big spring training yeah. and that usually inflates mm-hmm. prices uh maybe you know this is a, a an industry league maybe we're a little too smart to actually inflate prices but, but people are already excited yeah but and people, it kind of exactly it. and and the thing is going into the season i loved bird then they signed chris carter and i was annoyed because i thought i was going to get bird in each league now i'm a little nervous because if bird struggles he's not going to face lefties he might be losing at bats now to righties yeah with uh, to carter so that really prevented me from drafting him in my previous two leagues and now with the big spring training, that solidifies his role. He might not even get benched against lefties every single time. So I'm, I'm just shocked that I got him for 12. I figured for sure he'd go for far more than that. Yeah, no, I, I would too. It was good, good price. I see Greg here's so furiously scouring through some sort of spreadsheet and everything. So oh no, I, uh, the the fan rag draft that you chose not to do, I'm doing it. So I've been making picks while we've been doing this. You're whole multitasking. Thing. I'm Very trying. Impressive. I'm so. trying. He's got, he's got I was telling Paul, I got, I got two fourths of the Rockies infield, so I got LeMahieu and uh, Story. This is a head-to-head. You but can't it's go wrong by pay, picking Rockies. Right? Especially when they're at home, yeah. You're just not going to go broke on that. So we'll, uh, that, that's, that's some impressive uh, multitasking there. And, and Bryce Harper felled me at 8, so I was excited. I couldn't hit, I couldn't hit by fast enough on that one. Yeah, I was like, I'll a, take him at 8 all day. That's a great I think, start. Yeah. So let's get back to Bird because there's a lot to yes. talk about with him. He's such a perfect fit for Yankee Stadium because that it's short right field porch. He he's a lefty. He hits a ton of fly balls. He doesn't necessarily need a really high home run per fly ball ratio to hit 30 home runs. So he's a, he's a perfect guy for that stadium. 
All right, so you, you said you got all these Yankees, and you're not a Yankees fan. But I'm starting to, you know, see question that see a pattern. No, not not, not question <laughs> the fandom, but but you know, uh, a bias here that I I agree with because I, I agree completely with what you just said about Bird. You got Aaron Judge for three dollars, which in an AL only I think is fantastic value, and Matt Holiday at fourteen. Now I got him for three in the mix, which I thought was great value I there. Got him for I think one this, in the twelve team. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. So, you know, I I guess, you know, clearly you you had competition here. You had people in this AL auction who were valuing Holiday higher than um, in in, in the mixed uh, auctions that Paul and I were in. But, uh, you know, clearly you were motivated to go. So is is this all part of a a pattern here? Well, it's the OBP. I mean, yearly was OBP as well. Uh, I just love Holiday betting cleanup in that part because he's been – in a pitcher's park for a couple of years now in St. Louis. I mean, obviously he started out his career in Colorado, so he has hit in a hitter's park before, but this is a much more favorable hitting environment. Batting cleanup, he's going to be the DH the majority of the time. We don't have to worry about injuries, or a little less about injuries for him. And he's he should be a lock for 20 home runs, good run production, and a high on base percentage. And $14 to me is a, it's a really good price. His power was really through the roof last year. Yeah, he I rebounded. He played a ton yeah. of games, but Holiday's power was there. Uh, we love Yankee Stadium for lefties, but it's no slouch for righties either. So I, I did like your focus. You know, you backed up your judge. I'm not a huge judge guy, but three bucks, I would te- <laughs> I would definitely take that. And then you backed him up with Hicks. Yeah. If things go south and, and he does strike out too much and he can't get it done, they're going to give Hicks the playing time. It's a different profile that you get all of a sudden you're probably looking at like a, a 12-12 sort of guy but I like that you even backed it up so you know we, we can we can kind of poke fun or, or, or make jokes about the Yankee thing but I think you did a really good job and you yeah. got the right ones. I, I, I agree I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah Paul and you loved Hicks last year. If I, yes yeah. I absolutely did. I mean and this is the same guy I mean obviously he was a disappointment but he got like Sporadic 200 at, like how can you get on a roll there so I mean this is still a guy with the same upside and skills. I completely agree. That's why I yeah. love that you just went ahead and said, I'll take the judge insurance and, and, and go from there. So your offense came together. One one last guy I want to talk about, Saladino is a sneak tip. Mm-hmm. I just really like him at seven with, with uh, Lowry getting cut. Yeah, no, I, I do too. And I, I picked him up in the reserves in the mixed. And let's go go to your reserves just real quick before we hit break here. So you got Hicks. I'm assuming that was an intentional move. That was the handcuff for a judge, handcuff. absolutely. Was Travis Wood the handcuff for Carnes or do you just... No, it was a handcuff for Price. I really like Harnes. I love Royals pitchers. That outfield defense, yep. the park, it's just a perfect environment for pitchers, especially fly ball guys mm-hmm. like Travis Wood. I mean, this is the perfect spot for Travis Wood. Obviously, he'd be better in the National Finally League. for him, right, after but, Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how long he's going to stay in the rotation. you got Matt Strom in there. as a Maybe if Chris Medlin proves that he's healthy, maybe he moves in eventually. But for the time being, while Price is on the DL, Travis Wood is the perfect re- replacement. I mean... Our pickings are slim, so there's really not much to choose from. Yeah, to find someone well, that you're excited about in the reserves, that's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, and I want to talk a little bit about that more when we come back for break. Got a head break right now, but a little more reserve talk and a little more AL league analysis. So, stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melker. We are here live at Rocket Riley's in Manhattan for the Top Wars Extravaganza. We've got the NL auction going on right now. This closes out the uh, series of auctions for this weekend. Great, great times with 
great folks that I don't get to see uh, mostly the rest of the year. And we've got uh, somebody else joining us here. Paul Spohr has left us. Uh, we got some great analysis from Paul. And now uh, joining us from Roto Experts, Mr. Scott Engel, a former, I was going to say colleague of mine, but that's not exactly right because I wasn't uh, working in fantasy at CBS when we were there back in the day. But we, we go back a long way. We, we do. And, you know, it's great to hear you on the network. Great to hear FanRag doing their things. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, when when I heard you you were coming over, I was very excited. I said, not only does Al really know his stuff, because I I think uh, you contributed some articles when I was working there early, and I was like, wow, this guy really knows his stuff. I said, Al is like one of the nicest guys in the business. I uh. said, it's no wonder that he and Nando Defino are good friends. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a huge compliment. So thank you, Scott. I will I will take it, uh, and I, I appreciate it. And I'm very glad to have you on, and not just because you said that. Uh, <laughs> so we were uh, breaking down the ale-only auction. We've got Mike Podhorzer here uh, from Fangraphs, and we also have uh, Greg Jewett here from FanRag. Um, and we were ta- we wound up the previous segment talking about your, your reserve round picks, and so we, we focused on Aaron Hicks and Travis Wood, who you both said were handcuffs of a sort. So there's you know certainly different ways to go at the reserve rounds. I know it probably doesn't seem like a big deal. Maybe it's an afterthought uh, for for some, but um, you know you can go the upside route and, and just take the crazy flyers, or you can you know get your insurance policy. So at least with two of the four, you did that. I mean, do you have a, a standard approach, tried and true approach for that, or just you know? You just fly, fly by the seat of pants. I generally want major leaguers. Uh, a lot of the guys, they, they go for that upside, and they, they pick the, the top prospect who probably won't get called up until September. And in September, they're probably not even going to play. And the thing is, we only get four reserves. So you're, not, you're either going to lock yourself into only three reserves the entire season because you just want to hold on to that one guy until September, or you're going to get hit with injuries or underperformers, and you're going to be dropping him by the end of May. So this it's just a waste to me. So I want guys that are actually going to help me now rather than have to wait five months until they can potentially help me. And I don't even know if they're going to help me in September. Yeah, well, it's... Uh I think that's, I don't know, from my perspective, I think that's a rarer approach. I mean, for example, Glaber Torres was a guy that was picked in the reserve round. He's never had an at-bat above high A. Mm-hmm. What is he going to do? Get up on in September, he'll get some games in. So you're going to hold him all season long, use one of your four reserve slots on a guy that maybe will come up in September and start a couple of games. It just seems like a waste of a pick to me. All right, but it's a little negativity on the Yankees there. So well, no, but but I, he makes a great point because if you're in a league-only format, you're trying to get all the innings and at-bats that you can get your hands on. So when you're speculating on somebody that could come up, um, it, it does handcuff your roster a little bit because you're not going to drop them because obviously somebody else will pick them right up if you have to do something. But it, you want flexibility. You want to be able to have that <laughs> thing. Guy goes down, I know at least he might only give me 20 at-bats this week, but he's going to get some at-bats. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about your Tyler Skaggs pick? I was very curious because only three dollars. Uh, the guys dealt with a lot of injuries, but there's certainly a ton of potential there. Got off to a rough start in the spring, but it's kind of turned it around recently. All I care about for him is his velocity. His fastball velocity was up after coming off of Tommy John. I believe he's basically maintained that this year in spring training so far. So that's what I'm really concerned about. Obviously, the injuries are an issue, but he should be healthy right now. And so I'm very encouraged by that increase in velocity. And I think eventually it's going to translate into really strong results. I was very surprised. We talked earlier about the uh, steamer projections for Eric Thames, and I think if there was a projection that surprised me more than that one, it was their projection for for Tyler Skaggs. Um, I thought very 
very optimistic. Uh, I believe that was a, a mid three, let's say a three sixty, three seventy ERA. Am I correct? No? Uh, I'd say no higher than that. I mean, I can yeah. look it up. But yeah, uh, yeah, Thames. I thought it was a little absurd. I'm like, Jared Cross, he, he's the guy who developed these steamer projections. I'm like, Jared, where are these coming from? Like, I I mean, really, for, for Thames, it, it's really just uh, a, a wild guess because we really have no idea. And we have so few Korean Baseball League players that have come over that it, it's really uh, hard to say. It's a real challenge to project. I mean, my projections were just conservative, and, and we really don't know. So... Who knows? We'll find out at the end of the season. However, I do think the Thames is going very cheaply in the majority of leagues, and I think at that price, he's certainly worth the risk. Yeah. So I've looked up Skaggs, and good call uh, by you, Mike. 3.57 ERA projected, 24 starts, uh, 8.9 Ks per nine, 3.1 walks. Um, that would make him a bargain. Um, I yeah. didn't project. I wasn't that optimistic, but I am definitely sub-4 ERA on my projections. Uh, that seems like the ultimate upside, the steamer projections. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't because you know last year. I mean, it was very limited innings, but he did um, you know transcend the the inning uh, rather strikeout per inning mark. But that's not you know by and large the Tyler Skaggs that we've seen. Yeah, and I know Steamer incorporates velocity into their projections, so I'm oh, sure okay. I'm sure they were very encouraged. And that velocity bump probably has a lot to do with those very optimistic projections. That's 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 really good to know. Um, so, in terms of the other teams, we've broken down your team quite a bit, Mike, but um, have you had a chance to kind of survey the, the ale landscape? And uh... No, I, I rarely, I, even during the auction, like, I don't look at other people's teams. I have no idea what teams are doing. Actually, last year, it turned out that there was a team that bought a $9 pitching staff, which I've always wanted to do, because I always <laughs> thought it would be fun. I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize it until the end, like, or wow. maybe like the... Maybe the second to last pitcher he bought, I'm like, wait a second. And I'm sure everybody else realized it before I did. But I don't really pay attention to other people's rosters other than the fact that I need to know what positions they need and how much money they have leftovers. I don't care about the names because I'm playing my own roster. I care about my own team, and that's it. And I I really can't worry about what other people are doing. All right, play in the course. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, you guys, I mean, you know, and actually I feel, you know, when, after a draft, like I'm amazed like when, when we go to Foley's after, you know, the big mixed auction. And everybody's, you know, talking up their rosters and, you know, talking up, you know, talking about their rosters. And I'm always amazed how much bandwidth people have to kind of scan the whole league and, you know, say, well, you know, I did well here, but, you know, so-and-so did well here, there. Uh, how do you, uh, Scott, how do you, you, you approach that after a draft? I mean, are you, you kind of just, you know, play the golf course or, uh, you know, or, or you start right away kind of looking, you know, sizing up the competition and maybe looking for trade possibilities or looking at strengths and weaknesses, that that sort of thing. For people who listen to me on during the week, it's like my, my co-host never never believed me, but I never look at, like, other teams, like like in any sport. I, I'm so invested in my own team, I don't have the bandwidth to, 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 to look at the other teams because as soon as my draft is over, I'm obsessing about where my strengths and weaknesses are that I don't have time to, like, look at the other teams necessarily unless I want to make a trade with them, like, right out of the bat. And, you know, it's, uh, I probably won't have to do that because I'll probably get an email from Fred Zinke as we speak. <laughs> I was going to mention his name. Yeah, <laughs> we, we were all thinking it. <laughs> he actually told me that he's vowed to take it easy on the trade front this year. He, he said that last he's, he's night. Said, yeah. He said that before. Yeah, he hasn't made one trade offer in labor mixed, and wow. I'm quite disappointed, frankly. And that, they drafted a few weeks ago in that, right? Yeah, it was yeah. more than a month ago we drafted. Greg, it looked like you, you uh, were, were looking to chime in there. Uh, 
No, okay. No, that was just a trade offer in his inbox with okay. Fred Zinke. <laughs> yeah, I was laughing at the Zinke <laughs> reference because he's, I mean, well-renowned for, you know, sweetheart deals. Infamous. And, but, yes. But it's led to lots of success. Oh, so. absolutely. Yeah, no, and, you know, he's, I think he's one of those folks who, you know, his mind just works a certain way that he can... Uh, you know, absorb all that, and so he's instantly looking at, at, at possibilities. Yeah, I'm too lazy to trade. Seriously, because it, <laughs> it takes a lot of time to actually look at other rosters and see what they need, and then try to craft an offer that's fair, and then try to convince the other owner that yeah, it's a great trade. It's going to help both of us, or it's going to help you. Don't worry about my team. It's just like I just don't want to do it. I'm just too lazy. Well, how many? So how many leagues do you have this year? This year is going to be four. Uh, last year, it's been typically three. I, I know some other guys. I know Spore is usually in like 15. I can't do that. You're then rooting for and against every single player. Yep. Been and, there. <laughs> and so I, that's why I, I like having the same players on each team because then I only I can root for those players. Then a lot of times if I trade a player, I kind of want to trade a player from both of my team, then the same player from both teams, because I don't want to still own him in one league if I'm like rooting against him because I just traded him. So I, I can't be in so many leagues. It's too hard to pay attention and really be active in, in, in that many leagues. Yeah, I, I can't be one yeah. of those people. To me, one league has absolutely nothing to do with the other. If I end up with the same guys, it's coincidence. It's fine. It's like I, I did my FSWA AL only auction last week. I went I went after Chris Sale yesterday. I went after Chris Sale. It's it. it I I take every league as individual because every league is unique. Yeah, uh, and. Uh, Scott, how many uh, leagues do you have this year? Uh, right now, I, I I have four. I've been trying to trim it down and just yeah. you, know, you know take more laser focus on on each league. I have that. I have my dynasty slash keeper league mm-hmm. that's unique. It's like six by six with like uh, with like slugging percentage and quality starts and and stuff like that. And you you do your keepers under a salary cap. And we got a big money league uh, next week. Uh, here in New York that's running by Tony Sincata, the Greenwich Street Tavern League, All which right. is owned by uh, Chris Vaccaro. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, Greg, how about you? As far as what? How many teams? Yeah, yeah. Well, we spoke earlier um, when we were just talking when we when we got here, and I was saying, like, a lot of my drafts, I've almost been in the same spot. I, I drafted 8th and 12th in the NFBC. Uh, the draft I'm in right now, I got 8th. The draft I'm doing tonight, I'm 7th. So I'm like, I keep finding myself at the same because the drafts keep kind of zigging the same way, so I'm getting a lot of the a lot of congruence in my rosters just because I'm always kind of boxed into the same place. But you know, if you know where your targets are and where your values are, if you're in that same slot, it almost makes it easier. Like this draft's easy because I can kind of anticipate who's going to be around and who isn't. So this makes how many for you? Uh, this one right now. Because I know you've, I mean, you've done a ton of mocks. I know that's four, yeah, the mocks don't really. Yeah, I just like but, the mocks but, but, really. But it seems like you're in a lot of leagues as well. Yeah, I'll probably be in about 9 or 10 because I'm going to do two 12-team NFBCs this week. This is my first time doing the uh, Draft of Champions this year with the NFBC. I did two How do you of the... keep up? You know what I actually did? But again, now I have a lot of similar players, so if somebody gets hurt, I know I can fix them on a couple of rosters. So uh, I believe it was two years ago. I decided, And I'm only in three leagues. This would help you even more. I made a spreadsheet, and I counted up how many players from each team I owned to determine which game to watch so if I had like <laughs> if I have like five Yankees in total in all of my rosters it's the Yankees I'm going to be watching every night oh yeah no well welcome to my world uh, yeah and I, I I've carved it down I think two years ago I think I had 15 last year I got it down to 12 this year nine and and it was 15, team, and it, it was 15 gonna, teams yeah and it's insanity so I've, yeah. I've been trying to carve it down 
I have a hard time saying no sometimes. But you should make that spreadsheet so you know which game is your priority yeah. order of what games to watch. What I, what I did do last year was I made a spreadsheet you know, with every league and every player so I knew how many shares I had. And mm-hmm. then you can then right. look at so what I teams had, they're on to see how many it, players it on was, each team. I was pretty well you know, divested, you know, uh, spread across, but I had something ridiculous like eight or nine shares of Justin Verlander. And it worked out, obviously. Yeah. Oh, yeah, last to, year, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what if what if you're playing uh, daily though? Then what, what do you decide to watch that night along with your season uh, and your daily teams? No, I don't like watching the daily. If I got stuff on the daily, I feel like I'm a jinx. The, the one time I hit the moonshot, I didn't watch any of the games except for Chris Davis home run. I'm like, oh my god, we might win some money. That's so, why. That's why you you're won, superstitious, right? yeah. huh? A little bit. Well, yeah. we gotta we gotta hit the break. So uh, when we come back, we'll uh, talk more tout, talk more strategy. So stick around. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and we are here live from Tout Wars. We've got the NL auction. It's still ongoing, uh, I believe, yes. Uh, And uh, we've got uh, a crew here, expanded crew. We've got Greg Jewett, our usual Sunday guest from FanRag. We have Scott Engel from uh, Roto Experts. And uh, now joining us, uh, Mike Pothorser is going to come back for the next segment, but uh, joining us now is Laura Michaels from Masters Ball. So, uh, that's hey, the else? rumor. That's, 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 that's the word on the street. That's, that's what I've been hearing. So, uh, well, Laura, well, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks. It's all, I mean, this is a pretty fun weekend, so it's, it's, it's always... It's not a bad way to... Yeah. <clears throat> and we actually go back a ways, don't we? We, we go we, back like 15, 20 years, now that I think about it. I mean, I remember, I think you were like a philosophy student with, <laughs> with hair longer than mine when I first met you. See, you, we've known each other for so long that I have come full circle with the facial hair. Because I had the, the ponytail and the beard and the mustache uh, when I first met you back in like, like 2000. Yeah, it was and, probably around in yeah, there. Yeah, because was, I was, was writing for HQ. That Ron Chandler gave me my first job, paid job in baseball, writing for HQ. <laughs> and um, and we, we met, at, I think, first pitch probably around 2000. And, uh, yeah, so I had the, the, all the facial hair and the long hair and all that. The long hair is gone, but uh, the facial hair is making it come back. I, I actually, no, I think my hair was long then, but I, I mean, I had it short for a period of time that I now regret. But, but what's perfect about that is Ron gave you, you know, you the first guy you worked for for a paying gig in in the industry was Ron. Yeah. So if he comes in to replace me, the first guy I worked for as a paying gig in the industry, well, Benson, but was that guy over there? Yep. <laughs> wow. Well, Laura is- Michaels was uh, was wrote for CBS Sports Line uh, back in the late 1990s. You know, I had a. Uh, I had baseball, uh, I guess we call them stringers, if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, Laura, Laura was my regular guy every week. I was well strung. This is yeah. this is <laughs> this is crazy. Did, we have we have different uh, we have different had branches of sports line history here. Once again, yesterday when you joined, it was me, you, and Nando. Yesterday with uh, with the, Corey, it's all the tree, right? It, it, well, it, it's all it's all a tree, sort of. Well, yeah. and, and well, one of the reason things too is, I mean, we're pretty. Well, one of the things, for sure, you, Al, Ron, Scott, and I, I mean, we've all been crossing the past for 20 years, and it, it, and we were all here at the beginning of the industry, really, whether anybody likes to admit it or not, uh, either for, re, for by virtue of age and not wanting to acknowledge that or acknowledge that was the seeds, whatever, but it is a tight close little community, and, you know, we all, everybody's written for everybody else, and everybody knows everybody else, so... To that degree, despite the fact that we're all, as individual players, ridiculously competitive, we are kind of one sort of homogeneous isotropic unit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I, I, I used to I, say I like we're a better. big, 
We're big fraternity. It's like we're Phi Kappa Roto or something like Phi that. Phi Kappa Roto. Yeah. <laughs> Is that anything like yeah. I felt a thigh or Grandma ate a pie or Grandma uh, <laughs> ate a pie. <laughs> you missed. I felt a thigh. So. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I'll just say if I never miss that. I'll say if I can interject because um, Nando, who went to high school where I teach, um, his mom gave me Fantasyland, which kind of. Made me think, like, you know what? I, I like playing fantasy, but maybe I would like to write about it, too. And then he got me a, a, a position with uh, guys at Rono Analysis who gave me my start. And then I got picked up by FanRag. And I've done numerous mock drafts with you. But this is the first time. He wanted me to come down last year, and I was scared. I'm like, I'm not ready. I, these guys are way above me. And then I came down this year, and just, everybody was just just been so nice. Shaking hands. You know, the follow-backs on Twitter. It's just been, you know, what you guys are talking about. It's just been so... Uh, warm and welcoming. It's just blown me away. Well, and and but I understand that because I, I remember when I was uh, when I was invited out for my first tout, and I'd play. I was good locally, right? I you know, big fish, little pond. I could I could whoop everybody in my local league and stuff like that. But I'd never played beyond that, and mm-hmm. I, got, I remember riding on the plane and having queasy stomach, going, "Jesus, I mean, I know what I'm going to do. Here's my you know strategy and stuff, but." God, what if these guys are really good and I can't cut it? I'm going to be really humiliated. And ah, oh, God. See, see, it's easy for you though. It's like you, you're this, you're this cool guy. You know, I've seen the clips of you with your rock band on stage. He's the one guy. You know, the, all the bands like serious and everything. Lawyer's standing around. He's on the side. He's this showman. He's jumping around with the guitar and everything. And you know, uh, it's like he's a showman. So you know, just for, for you, it's easy. It's you just easy. To pretend. You just have to pretend you're you're on stage with your band. Well, actually, there is there is something to that. I I I I used to run a lot of meetings when I had my real uh, income earning gig at AT and T. Uh, I used to run a lot of very very big meetings, and somebody asked you, "How do you do that?" And I, went, I play in a band. I mean, I'm used to standing up in front of 400 people with an acoustic guitar. If I can do that by myself, yep, standing in front of 35 people trying to keep them organized is nothing. So <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, good preparation for that. Uh, I do want to break into your uh, team a little bit here. You've got a lot of my faves. You got Carlos Santana, uh, twenty six, and I'm sorry, this is ale only. I don't think yes. I prefaced that. Mm-hmm. So, well, I can uh, never get a musician on my team is a good thing. That's right. No, I thought it was a very smooth pick. So, Thank you. Uh, oh wow, yeah, sorry, ooh, guys. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> good one. Uh, you got uh, Chris Davis with a K, twenty three. Uh, Chris Archer as your ace. Now we've had so many people through today. I don't remember who else it was we had here who, who did the same. Um, Greg, you went oh, to, Paul, Paul had uh, Archer that's right. on his huge offense staff. That was his anchor for pitcher. Yeah. And, it, and I, I predicted all of these because when doing the mocks with Lar, I knew every time on the turn I wasn't going to get Archer. <laughs> I wasn't going to get Chris Davis. Um, you know, Kiermaier, I see on there. These were all guys that he talked. I mean, but, guys. but what's cool is, is you do the mocks with these people, so it's not just like Lars mocking to mock. He's he's understanding who his targets are, and he's hitting them where he wants to hit them. So, you know, you, you get your people, and you're talking about this when you're coming in. You you have your targets. You stay with it. You're queasy on the thing. And I was queasy driving down here from Syracuse the other day. But once I started meeting people and shaking hands, it just goes away. But, you know, I, I told I was like, he's going to get Archer. I know it's coming. And then there it went. Um, how do you feel about Max Kepler at 17? He was he was uh, he. There were several guys I was kind of looking at, and I had I had like nineteen dollars sort of pegged for that slot, and I, he just kind of uh, I, I was at a point in the draft too, where I had a little bit more money. I had money to spend, and I was budgeting it out really well. But I tried to be really really careful so that I could go into the last uh, the end game, 
with the most money mm-hmm. uh, you know i that that's 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 part of what i like to do i can be very 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 patient <laughs> the problem is sometimes you can be too patient but cuz the same thing happened with ploof i was really looking at castellanos but both of them came up i i forget who it was i was looking for that i thought it might be 20 dollars and when ploof came up for 10 i thought you know castellanos might cost me 19 18 19 bucks 10 bucks frozen on ploof i get a starter third baseman who could probably hit 10 15 homers all right i'm going to use that eight bucks that elsewhere and grab him and kind of the same with kepler all right okay it's three or four more dollars i can save towards the end game i feel good about him i think he's had a good year last year i, I think he can maintain if nothing mm-hmm. else so and I, you know i was i don't have a real well, santana's as close to a real banger as i have but i've got five or six guys who can hit 20 homers he, he kepler being one of them so I was I was kind of happy about it. Plus, you're you're right. There are guys I targeted in the mock drafts that I like, but I try to mix it up and see what what will my lineup look like if I don't have Chris Davis. And I do love Chris Archer. I thought I was going to get him in labor for 18. He's he he pitched so well. He's had a good spring. He mm-hmm. was so great at the WBC. He cost 22 at labor. So when I reevaluated everything and thought, and I, and I got different starting pitchers in labor, I thought I I really want Archer. I'm going to build my staff around him, and I'll budget 24 for him. And there he was. Mm-hmm. You, you got Jordan Zimmerman for a dollar. Is there no, is three, it, actually in fairness? Three. three. <laughs> is, is, is it two dollars and fifty cents too much based on what we saw last year? And uh, the you, you know, this guy in the American League now he doesn't strike anybody out. Uh, you know, is is this a guy that maybe if you want to keep on your bench early in the year? No, not not yet. I mean, remember when he first pitched last year for Detroit? Didn't he go five and zero at first? He was like lights yeah. out, and then he got hurt, and then he struggled. So, and I don't think he's as bad as when he struggled. For three bucks, you know, for three bucks I can throw him back. But for right now, if he's an everyday arm, especially the first month of the season. Unless I see something that really upsets me, I'll let them go. I, I tend to be slow. I tend I tend to try to give my guys a chance, which sometimes can be good because I'm patient. Uh, on the other hand, if you're going to pick guys out of the uh, out of the waiver pool, now is the time because now is, you're going to get if somebody grabs a job, now you're going to get the maximum innings or at bat. So you have to be kind of proactive with that. Now you said that you got a lot of guys that were your targets. Maybe not necessarily what you set out to do, but you know you, you got your guys. Are, are you a Naquin guy? Because Naquin for ten dollars, it seems like a lot of people are very uh, skeptical of him after you know a really good power breakout last season. So you you more of an optimist? Um, well, again, I I had actually was looking at getting Eddie Rosario, and and outfielders by then were a little getting a little bit thinner, and. I'd pegged like three or four for Rosario, but by the time it got around there, I thought maybe it would, maybe he would go for a little bit more. And again, by that time, you know, I'd saved some money here and there, and I just thought, I know he's going to start. Just, just grab it, get it, get it over with, put the extra money away. As it was, Rosario went for three dollars less, so I, pro- I might have been able to wait. Well, I would have got him for eight if I'd bid up one. So it's only a two dollar savings. But the most thing is, for ten bucks, I got an everyday guy who probably hit around two seventy, give me fifteen homers. And steal ten bases. I'll I'll take it. You know, I'll take it any day of the week. Yeah. Now, how about your catcher situation? Was this a, an, uh, an intentional punt here? The couple of one dollar catchers, or just how how things uh, progressed? I don't really think it's punting. I I, I you know I, I I'm okay with one dollar catchers. I'm okay for my four bucks or whatever I spent on Leon and and um, and Joseph. If the two of them give me 10, 12 homers collectively and they knock in 60 runs collectively and they bat 260 collectively for $2, 
great. That's that that's a pretty good investment. And they're backup guys for the most part. They, they, you know, Joseph, I liken Joseph a lot to a Chris Herman because they're almost the same age. Uh, they have almost the same curve development through the minor leagues. And, it, you know, if, if – and Joseph's actually – try not to pay too much attention to spring numbers, but he's hitting 275. He hit two homers. Um, so and, and Weeders as well. Not that Weeders caught that much in end of his career, but if 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 he gets his two hundred and fifty three hundred at bats as a backup catcher and he gives me five homers, that's fine for a dollar. I you know. Yeah, I only I got I got Herman yesterday for five bucks in the the mixed league. So I'm glad hearing you say that. Well, and and Castillo, I mean, he's not really known for his defensive metrics. So that if if the staff is struggling, I could give more at bats to Joseph down the road. Mm-hmm. Do you worry about Chancisco, though? No. Take not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a year away. Ask, ask yeah. me. Well, ask me in, ask me in six weeks. <laughs> I will. Or, and, 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 and mostly, you know how it goes. People say, how do you like your team? I always go, ask me in October. That, yeah, that's so. the thing. Everybody's asked me. I know this is my fifth year in town, and every single year. I love my team on auction day. Absolutely love it. And it's really only worked out well once. Well, so you know, this, this is the first year I've actually liked my team. And, on draft day. Well, don't you guys find out? I mean, I remember a couple times, especially early on when I played locally, that I remember walking out of a draft one day knowing I just had beat the crap out of everybody. And I, I did win. But for the most part, whenever I end up with a team that I think, in a draft where I think I did really well, I fare miserably. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the kiss of death is a team that you like. Yeah. And I think I really like this team, which Uh-oh. I probably, yeah, exactly, exactly. You well, can get out, start wearing black armbands tomorrow. <laughs> well, we got to head to break, so we got one more segment left, and uh, you uh, alluded to the fact that we got a very special guest uh, coming up. So, in case you didn't hear that, stick around, stay tuned, and see who it is. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior, and uh, we are honing in on the final segment of our two-hour Tout Wars extravaganza. We are here live at uh, Tout Wars in New York, and uh, joining me is Greg Jewett from FanRag, and uh, back with us is Mike Podorzer from FanGraphs, uh, and I uh, want to thank Laura Michaels from uh, Masters Ball for joining us for the last segment. Uh, he has uh, gone... Uh, well, actually, he's uh, he's around here, uh, but joining us uh, for this final segment is Ron Chandler, a name that uh, everybody in the fantasy community has known for a long, long time. And as we mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier in the show, Ron gave me my first writing gig in fantasy, so it's a real pleasure, Ron, uh, for having you on here. Th- thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. It's my pleasure. And um, you know, I want to say of, of Baseball HQ, but I know that you know there's been a, you know some changes in recent years, so. Where are all the places that, that people can, can find your work these days? Uh, well, most of my stuff is at uh, ronchandler.com, my website. I also uh, write a column every Wednesday at uh, ESPN, <laughs> the, uh, the fantasy page there. And, uh, you know, catch me on Twitter at Ron Chandler. All right. Well, uh, everybody should do that if you're not doing that already. And uh, Ron took part in the uh, mixed auction yesterday. Now, this is was this your first year ever in the mix? Because you migrated from AL, right? Yeah, I've been in the AL since 2004, and before that it was uh, NL, AL, back and forth. But this was my first year in, in the mix as far as Tout Wars is concerned. Yeah. So was that, you, was that something you wanted to do, or uh, you were approached, or how, what, what brought yeah, the change? Yeah, it was, uh, it was something I'd been thinking about for a while. There were, there were several reasons why I decided to switch over. One, just basically to mix things up a little bit, because, uh, you know, after you've been doing something for a real 
real long time, uh, you kind of get into a rut and you do kind of find yourself doing the same strategies over and over again. And, you know, it's sort of like the definition of insanity and doing the same thing over and <laughs> expecting a different result. And it just wasn't happening for me. So I figured uh, mixed was a different experience. Um, I also have uh, been doing some new types of strategies that I think would work better in a deeper league, so um, I thought that would be a good opportunity to try them out in mixed. Now, are you referring to Babs in particular? or uh, my Yeah, my mistress, Babs. <laughs> <laughs> For people who might not be acquainted, what's the... the you know, the elevator uh, speech yeah. on BABS. <laughs> BABS, is, it stands for Broad Assessment Balance Sheet. And uh, basically, it's, there's several parts of the strategy. One is that players are, are evaluated as a series of assets and liabilities, sort of like a balance sheet. Um, and on the asset side, uh, players are grouped into tiers of like skills. Um, and then we look at their market values within those tiers to, to see where the profit is. So uh, an example I often give is that uh, Trey Turner... Uh, AJ Pollock and uh, David Dahl are three players who essentially have the same skill set. You know, moderate power, some speed, batting average type of thing, all within the same level. But, you know, Turner's a lot more expensive than the other two. But if you assume that the, uh, the variability of statistics around those skills is about the same, then you basically target, you know, assumingly healthy David Dahl for a, a lot lesser price and, and potentially get the same type of numbers that. Uh, uh, Trey Turner might put up. Was there anybody on your roster that you put together yesterday that uh, was uh, a target that you might have had? I might just be making a bad assumption here to even assume you have, you know, particular targets that come out of out of the Babs analysis. But was there anybody in particular that you know may have been in, influenced by that approach? Oh, absolutely. There are quite a few players, as a matter of fact. Uh, last year, a year ago at this time, I was saying that uh, Nick Castellanos had the same skill set as Evan Longoria. And so, you know, this year, again, you know, Longoria's going for a higher price, and Castellanos went for seven, and I was mm -hmm. able to get him, so I was very pleased with that. Um, uh, Jose Peraza, you know, another player who's, who's got basically the same skill set as some of the higher uh, stolen base type guys, and so I was able to get him at a discount compared to some of them. Uh, that's good. That's good. Um, and, and Castellanos, yeah. you're talking about possibly hitting him second this year. So oh, yeah. I mean, at seven dollars, that even makes him a better value. Oh, very pleased with that. Yeah. 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 And uh, he was somebody who was, you know, sort of on my target list, but I just couldn't couldn't pull the trigger when it counted. And in in, in this uh, same auction, mixed auction, I wound up with um, Howie Kendrick as my third baseman. And just in, in these deeper formats, there always seems to be just one. Last year it was catcher for me, which is why I asked Laura the question about the two $1 catchers, because I did not want to be stuck in that position again. So this year was third base. Uh, it's like whack-a-mole, uh, just you know, some position that I wind up waiting much, much longer than I, I want to. Um, Greg, I know we had had a discussion about the end game. We haven't really talked too much about that mm -hmm. uh, in this program yet. And so yeah, I think Ron would be a good person to... Um, I know you had a specific question about what happened yesterday. Uh, yeah, um, to, to raise. Yeah, when we were talking to uh, to Jeff earlier, he he brought up the fact that he wished at the end he had saved money <clears throat> a couple times, to be able to go two dollars when it got to. Because in the I don't know if you were at the mix yesterday, but at the end it almost turned into a uh, a snake draft with one dollar bids. So anybody that had an extra dollar, which Ron was one of those people, and he can probably speak to this. Um, it's good to have a, an extra dollar or two at the end, so if there's a player that you really wanted, you can go two when everyone else is down to that one dollar. And they all seem to almost arrive there at the same time. So every time there was a bid, Jeff Erickson would look at Teron to see if he wanted him, and he would just give him the head shake, no, if that wasn't his guy, and then he would just move on to the next one. So was that something you planned on, or was that just a, a nice benefit at the end to be able to get a player or two of your choice because you had an extra dollar or two? 
Well, I think you have to follow the flow of the draft. I know that I went deep on several players early. I spent like $100 right off the bat on Freddie Freeman, Joey Votto, and John Lester. So when you do something like that, you know that uh, you're going to have to sit and wait for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and the question is, how long do you wait? And I think there was an ebb and flow later in the draft where um, I waited you know, perhaps maybe a little bit longer than I, would, uh, I should have, but I mean, the end result was a benefit that I ended up with a few extra dollars more than everyone else, and so I was able to go two when somebody else went one. So it was, I, it was, I guess it was more serendipitous than anything else. Mm-hmm. Now, i got a question about, you, you already mentioned Jose Peraza. Um, you got him for 16. You got D. Gordon for 19. I see them as very similar. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about Peraza, I can't recall if you lumped him in with, with Gordon or, or not. But, um, but I'm also lumping them together in, in a negative way in that last year when Gordon came back from the suspension, uh, a lot of weak contact, and uh, Peraza, you know, has not, you know, been known to really hit with with a lot of contact, and, and that combined with some of the inefficiency with the base stealing, a pretty low success rate. I have some worries about both of them. Do you think that either one could potentially be a batting average or in this uh, format uh, an OBP liability that might also hurt their their stolen base potential? Sure, uh, that's a possibility, but that's that's why you have the flexibility to do things like that when you have a Joey Votto and a Freddie Freeman on your team who you're hoping for OBPs, you know, in excess of 370, 380 even higher. So it it gives you some some uh, wiggle room there. So I, I wasn't too worried about that. Uh, that's that's fair enough. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, kind of scanning the uh, the, the whole league. So I don't know how we sort of as a group, you know, said, yeah, we don't really have the bandwidth to right after an auction to take in all the other teams. How much of that did you do? And, and were there any other teams that, that stood out to you? As, you know, the, they really nailed it. No, I really didn't do it. I haven't even looked at my team yet. So <laughs> <laughs> like, who did I end up with? Oh, yes. Oh, I have him. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, that's, that's, uh, that's fair enough. So, uh, well, we, we're uh, closing in here on just the, the final minute or so. So, um, Mike, uh, any, any final thoughts on uh, the experience this weekend? Yeah, it was a little disappointing not to compete with Ron this year for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Greg is an observer. Uh, anything unexpected, surprising? No, no. The, like I said, the biggest surprise was just how great everybody is down here. It's just unbelievable, the camaraderie, and it just, you know, it speaks to all the people in this that, you know, if you want to get started in this, take the chance. And and that's the thing following up on that is that we're such a tight-knit community. and We we essentially see each other once a year. So everybody knows each other, and then that, the one time a year, and we're all together like a family, and it's like, all right, I'll, I'll see you in a year from now, but we're all so close, and yet we see each other so infrequently. Yeah. So it's, it's nice. Yeah, one, one of the things also that, that's interesting, Sam Walker in his book, I think, uh, encapsulated in the word also the fact that we write for each other and have always known this. This community is, is, is kind of incestuous when you think about it. And <laughs> well, but, but, it's, but it's a great community. I mean, we're all very tight, and that's, yeah. uh, that's a good thing. Well, and, and on that note, we, we have to wind up here. So, Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, very welcome. Uh, thank you. Also, likewise, Mike. Uh, Greg, as always, thank you for uh, joining us on the Sunday, taking the full two hours of your time mm-hmm. and making some draft picks. Very draft impressive. Done. So we will be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, actually, it will be Nando Dofino with Jim Finch tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern. They'll see you then. I'll see you on Thursday. Take care.